So we're in this series called The Upside-Down Kingdom, and in The Upside-Down Kingdom, we've been focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're beginning the summation uh, of this uh, most famous sermon that Jesus gave, and uh, uh, we're going to talk, uh, uh, we're going to begin to bring some closure to this uh, Sermon on the Mount, but uh, Jesus called his disciples, uh, they, a crowd was following him, he went to the mountaintop, he sat down, his disciples got really close to him, and then a crowd uh, surrounded him, and, this, and the scripture says that he began uh, to teach them, and we've been looking at what Jesus said. So we have been looking at the words of Jesus to be reminded that, of what he said and how he would have us to live in his kingdom. And this morning we're coming to probably one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. In fact, it's probably one of the most famous phrases in all of history, and we call it, it's been called the golden rule. Now, Jesus didn't name it the golden rule. Somebody did uh, hundreds of years later, but we know it as the golden rule, and most of you would remember it uh, as do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The actual scripture in uh, in Luke 7, 12, or Matthew 7, 12, sorry, says this, that uh, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm going to begin to sum up my sermon, the sermon that's been turning the world upside down. What was going on in the first century is that the religious leaders and the religious elite had taken the law, they had taken the law of Moses, and they had sort of fit it into their life, and it had become about obeying rules and about following rituals, and somewhere along the line, they had lost their relationship with God. And Jesus came, and he said, it's not about the rules, it's not about the rituals, but what what it's about is a relationship with the God who created you, the God who loves you, and we do we follow the law and we use the rituals there to remind us of our relationship with God, there to remind us of how much God loves us. And so that's what he's been talking about. And then he comes to this the golden rule, this place where he tells us how to live that out. Now, if you think about the golden rule, if you think about verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Them, it should sound a little familiar to you. In the ancient Hebrews uh, used to stop three times a day and they had a prayer that they would pray. It's called the Shema. And they would pray the Shema three times a day. It comes from Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, starting at the fourth verse. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And so three times a day, the, the ancient Israelites would stop. They would pause in their day to be reminded, uh, to, to pray this prayer, that you would, they would love the Lord their God with all their heart and with all their mind and with all of their strength. And they were constantly reminded, if you keep reading in Deuteronomy, it says, and you, and you think about this, you do it regularly, you think about it all day, you think about it when you go to bed at night, you think about it when you get up in the morning, you teach your children. One of the very first things that children would learn, children would memorize uh, in that culture was the Shema. They grew up praying that. They grew up stopping their day marking their day by praying the Shema. So later on, when Jesus was here, he, he was asked one day by some of the religious leaders, uh, what's the greatest commandment? 
And so naturally, he starts right there with the Shema. He says, here's the first commandment, is that you'd love the Lord your God with, with all, all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. Uh, and then Jesus does something that had never been done in all of history. He takes another verse from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and he adds it to this historic Shema. He says, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, your strength. Depending on which translation, sometimes they, uh, they have four things that you uh, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes it's with all your heart, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Um, but he said, first do this, and then the second one is like it, that you'd love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule is really the second half of that. It's really love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's the law. He said that keeps all the laws. See, here's the problem that we have, that, that a lot of us know the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your mind, with all your strength. And you can quote it, and you can say, I, I get it, I believe it. You just have no idea what to do with it. No idea how to live it out. And so what Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to live that out. Do you want to know how you live out your love for God? You live it out by caring for others, by, by treating others the way you would like to be treated, by in the course of your day pausing and thinking, what, what, not what, what would make me feel good, but what do they need? What would I want if I were in their shoes? What would I want if I had that need? What would I want somebody to say to me or, or to do for me if I was in that position? And Jesus says, now I want you to go live that way. Do you want to know how to love me with all you have? Love other people. And so he gives us this commandment, this golden rule to treat other people the way that we would want to be treated. He says it all kind of culminates right there. Um, you know, nobody's called me recently from Washington, D.C. to give them any counsel. I know, it's a shock. But if they did, if somebody did call me, I think what I would tell them first is let's just live out the great commandment. Let's just start there. Let's all stop. Let's get Congress, the administration, everybody, and let's stop three times a day and let's pray Lord, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, and I want to love my neighbors myself. Let's just do that three times a day and see how that changes the world. See how it changes our country. See how it changes how we, uh, how we speak to each other, how we treat each other, how we live our lives. Lord, I want to love you with all my heart and my mind and my strength, and I want to love my neighbors myself. And let's just start there. Or how about if we decided that every day of our lives was a golden rule moment, was a golden rule day. So when I go to Dutch Bros or, or Starbucks or I go someplace and I, and I see somebody across from me who's taking my order and can't get my double latte, espressos, the drip, whatever thing is straight, uh, it's a golden rule moment. How do I treat them the way I would want to be treated? How do I care about them the way I would want to be cared about? I'm in the grocery store line. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, getting my car work done. Uh, I'm in, engaging with somebody at work, whatever it is. Uh, you're at school, you're any place, and it's a golden rule moment. How do I treat that person the way that I would want to be treated in that position? How do I think about them first? 
You see, Jesus modeled this for us. He thought about us first. He gave his life for us before we even knew that we needed it. Before we even had a chance to think about all the things in our lives. And now he's saying, that's how I want you to live your life. That's how you sum up the Sermon on the Mount. As that you treat others as you would have them treat you. You'd live that kind of life. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, I was reading a great story about uh, a writer, a newspaper writer, so it tells you it was a while ago. Um, a newspaper writer uh, was talking about his first job writing for the Buffalo News. And he, he says this, uh, he says, if you know anything about newspapers, you know that the, the level one job, if you're a newspaper writer, the very first job they give you is writing the obituaries. And so that's where he started as a new reporter, new writer for Buffalo News, writing the obituaries, and it was driving him crazy. And he was, he was frustrated, and he thought to themselves, you know, I could be doing Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporting, and I'm stuck writing obituaries. So he finally worked up the courage to go to his editor, and, and he asked him, when am I going to get some decent story assignments? And his crusty old editor growled at him, said, listen, kid, Nothing you write will ever get read as carefully as what you're writing right now. You misspell a word, you mess up a date, and a family will notice, and a family will be hurt. But you do justice to somebody's grandmother, to somebody's mom, you make life sing. And they will be grateful forever, and they will put your words in laminate. And this writer said, I pledged that I would make the extra calls, that I would ask the extra questions, that I would go the extra mile. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's, that's the golden rule. We're, we're wanting to treat others the way we'd be treated. And until you read the obituary of somebody you love, you never really appreciate that person that put that, that put that there for you, that managed that for you, that helped you with that process but it's something that you never forget, and that's how Jesus says, I want you to live that way. I want you to think of everything as a golden rule moment. I want you to live your lives. That's what it means. So, so here, here, here's the thing for us. We, we can know a lot about the Bible. Some of the meanest people I've ever met know a lot of Bible, right? Um, we can know a lot about the Bible, but, but sometimes we read the Bible because we want information. Uh, sometimes we read the Bible so that we can tell other people how they're wrong and we're right. And we can know the truth and we can know what's best and, and the rest of them don't know anything. But here's why we study the Bible. We study the Bible because we believe that we want to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our strength. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we know everything we possibly can about him. So we read the scripture, we study the scripture because we want to know who Jesus is. We want to know who God is. That we want to know about him more than anything else. That we want him to guide our lives. And, and so we don't do it because it's about information. And it's about having knowledge. We do it because we love God. And we want to know him. And so that's why we read the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. And Jesus said, if you want to sum it all up, if you really want to obey the Bible, start here. Love people the way I love them. 
treat people the way you would want them to treat you in the same circumstances. Put yourself in somebody else's position. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes and treat them the way that you would want to be treated in that situation. Start there. Don't start with all the information. Don't worry about having all the things down. Start living. Start living life the way Christ called you to live it. You know, Jesus didn't just give us a rule, but he gave us himself. And that's what he's challenging us to. Challenge is not to just have information, but to have Jesus and to live for him, to trust him, to be a reflection of Christ in the world. And then Jesus says something really interesting. He gives us the golden rule, and then he follows it with these really interesting verses because right after the golden rule, he says this in verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the first thing that Jesus says is enter the narrow gate. Jesus says it's time. Enter the kingdom. Enter to the life of the kingdom here and now. And he follows it with the he follows the golden rule by reminding us that it's not easy to live this out, that it takes a decision to follow Christ. And so he wants us to understand that there are two ways that we can go. One way has a big gate and it's a wide, easy road, but it leads to destruction. The other is a narrow gate and it's a hard road, but it leads to life. And he wants us to see those two. He wants us to understand those things. And one of the things that he's trying to help us to understand is that when we enter the narrow gate, you can't carry anything with you. You can't get through. No matter how you position yourself, you, you just can't squeeze through the narrow gate if you're carrying a bunch of stuff with you. If you're holding tight to your reputation or to your finances or to your relationships or job, he says, you've got to leave it all there if you want to follow me. You've got to trust me with your life. You've got to go through the narrow gate. You can't go through holding on, carrying a bunch of stuff. The first decision that we make is do we leave everything to trust Jesus, to follow him, to go, on, go through the narrow gate. That's what he's calling us to do. Everything hinges on the gate, the gate of the city. It was an entrance to the city or, or, or the temple. And Jesus told us in John 10, he says, I'm the door. And so what we understand is that we're not just going through a gate, but we're choosing to follow Jesus, that he's the gate, that he's the way for us. And you know, what's fascinating is that when we follow Jesus, we don't always, in fact, often we don't know where we're going, but we really do know who we're following and that's what matters in life. I mean, if you're not following Jesus, you're following someone. You're following something. And you have to decide, is that leading me to health? Is that leading me to life? Or is that leading me to destruction? Is that leading me someplace that I'm not really going to want to go? When I get there, the gate is narrow. Can't be entered by somebody carrying a lot of stuff. But it's the call that Christ has put in our lives. He's challenging us. He's challenged us to consider our life, consider what we carry with us, consider how we're going to live our lives. So he's on the mountainside, as I mentioned earlier, and there's the disciples around him and there's the crowd around him. And, and you might categorize the crowd as uh, admirers 
So Jesus on the mountain, there are all these people that really admire him and they're intrigued by him. Maybe you could categorize some of them as the curious. They, they want to hear what he's going to say or, or see if he's going to do one of his miracles. So we have this big crowd of people and they're, they're admirers and they're, they're curious and they want to see what Jesus is going to do. And then you have this small group of people who are his disciples, the disciples are his followers. And they're following him. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to decide today. I want you to decide today if you're going to go through the narrow gate because that's what it takes to be my follower. You can be an admirer. You can be part of the curious. You can even be part of the skeptical. But if you want to follow me, you got to leave all that behind. You got to go through the narrow gate. You have to be a follower of mine. Now, those are the obvious categories, but I'd, I'd like to add maybe a, an extra category to that this morning. How about the users of Jesus? You know, you've got the admirers of Jesus. Yay, Jesus. You've got the curious. You've got the followers, the ones that have chosen to go through the narrow gate to follow him wherever he takes them. But then you've got another group of people that they're users of Jesus. They, they would say, you know what, I'm at the gate and, and I'm kind of, I've actually took a step through the gate one time um, and, and I really like Jesus and, and I don't want to go to hell. I'd certainly rather go to heaven someday, but but. I, don't, I want Jesus and the wide road. I want Jesus and the easy road. I want to have both of those. I, I don't want to think about the, a, a hard road. I don't want to think about a rough road. I want Jesus and a, and a wide road. And so they're users. They're, they're the ones that come and they, 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 they look at Jesus and they think that's great and they cheer for Jesus, but, but they don't really want to follow Jesus. They, they just want to feel better about themselves. I, I, they just want enough Jesus to feel good. They just want enough of Jesus to feel a little better about themselves, but they don't really want the hard way. They don't want the, the, the hard road that it takes to really be a follower of Christ. And so Jesus is on the mountain and he's looking at all those people and he's saying, today's the day I need you to make a decision. Are you an admirer? Are you a skeptic? Are you curious? Are you a user or are you going to be a follower? Choose today what you'll be. Choose today who you are. I have a new vocabulary word for you. You appreciate that, right? It's wonderful in Scrabble or Trivia Pursuit. Uh, it's, it's called um, a, a funambulist. You ever heard of a funambulist? A funambulist, don't even raise your hand because I know you don't. A funambulist is a tightrope walker. It's true. It's in the dictionary. Funambulist is a tightrope walker, and one of the most famous tightrope walkers that ever lived was a man named Charles Blondin. You may not have heard Charles Blondin because he was back in the 1920s, but Charles Blondin came from Europe, and he was completely obsessed with Niagara Falls. And he decided that he was going to cross Niagara Falls uh, on a tightrope. Uh, so he strung a hemp rope 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls, six, 160 feet uh, above the, the water, and he crossed Niagara Falls, first man ever to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And 100,000 people came and watched him. And I'm thinking, he's, this is pretty cool. So he crosses it again. Everybody's cheering. He decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this a little different. He, he takes a wheelbarrow and he pushes a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls. I think I have a picture of it up here. Uh, first, there's, there he is, with the wheelbarrow. Charles Blondin pushing a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls. And the, the legend is, and it may be that the stories of Charles Blondin have grown, 
over the years. Some of my stories have grown over the years. Um, but, uh, you know, it said that, it, that he cooked an egg on a tightrope and dropped it down to the people in a boat down below him. Uh, another story says that he took a chair and he propped it up on one leg and he stood on the chair um, on, right in the middle of Niagara Falls on the tightrope. And there are all these great stories about it. But one story that we know for sure is that he took a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls and the crowd went crazy. And Charles Blondin got back to the crowd and he said, how many people think I could do this again? Crowd goes nuts. Of course you can, we're so, we're, that's awesome, go. He says, all right, how many of you think that I could go across Niagara Falls with my wheelbarrow and somebody riding in the wheelbarrow? The crowd goes crazy, yeah, that's awesome, do it, we love this. And he said, okay, I need a volunteer. And it was crickets. <laughs> Nobody volunteered. I have another picture here. <laughs> he finally got his manager. His manager actually hopped on his back and they walked across the tightrope, Niagara Falls. It, you, you see, <laughs> the gate is narrow and the road is hard. And Jesus says to us, you know what? This way leads to life. But sooner or later, you gotta get in the wheelbarrow. Sooner or later, you gotta jump on my back. Sooner or later, you gotta trust me with everything. You gotta decide if you're willing to go across Niagara Falls in that tightrope, trusting me, riding in the wheelbarrow. And, and, and you see, most of us would feel like, you know what? I, yes, Jesus, you can do that. You're awesome. You, I, you know, you can take people across in a wheelbarrow. You can do anything. You can do miracles. You're all that. And Jesus says, okay, get in. What? So wait a minute. I was just, I mean, I was just trying to be an encouragement to you, okay? Seriously. I'm just trying to make you feel better, Jesus. I mean, I'm trying to encourage other people. In fact, I'll, I'll invite other people to get in the wheelbarrow. It's just, I'm not sure if I'm wanting to get in. And that's why Jesus said, you know, many are called, but few are chosen. Few people are willing to get in to the wheelbarrow. Few people are willing to trust Jesus with their whole life. And so here, here's the question this morning that maybe all of us need to answer in our own hearts. Are, where, where are you this morning in the crowd? Uh, are you part of the curious? Are you one of the admirers? Um, are you one of the users that you, you, you just want enough of Jesus to feel better about yourself, but you really don't want to get in the wheelbarrow? You don't want to give up anything, but you just want to feel better. You just, it seems like a neat thing. Or are you one of his followers? Have you given everything to him and trust him with your life and believe before him more than anything else that Christ loves you so much that the life he has for you is the best life you could ever imagine, will produce the greatest results that you could ever ask for? I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and uh, <coughs> they're going to play a song for us. They're going to lead us in another song, and, and here's what I'm going to ask uh, of you this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you just to take a minute or two and think about where you are. Uh, are. Are you a follower this morning of Christ? Have you chosen the narrow gate and the, the hard road? Are, are you a user that you just want to get close enough to sort of feel better, but you don't really want to trust him with everything? 
Are you one of the curious? Are you a skeptic? It's okay. Just be honest with yourself. But consider this, that Jesus is, Jesus is here this morning, and he's inviting us to step through the gate. He's inviting us to trust him. But he's, he loves us so much that he's honest with us, and he says, you know, you can't carry all that stuff with you. You've got to leave it here. You've got to give that up and follow me and trust me with your life. And so they're going to lead us in a song, and, and you can close your eyes and, and think about that. If, if you've never invited Christ in your life, if you've never stepped through that gate, this morning would be a spectacular time to do that. It would be a wonderful time to do it. And, and Jesus uh, uh, reminds us that that's what he came for. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to give us life. And, and the, uh, First John says that if we confess our sin, if we confess the fact that we've missed the mark, that we've fallen short of God, that he's able and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it. And if you've never done that and would like to invite Christ into your life this morning, I would encourage you that this would be a wonderful time to do it. If you want to just sing along with the band, feel free to do that as well. But we're just going to take a couple of minutes and maybe let the Lord speak to us and see where he would find us this morning.